When our son Logan was 10 years old, he and I began an adventure hiking across the Grand Canyon. And we started at the North Rim and uh, we planned four days, three nights uh, to travel down into the canyon to the Colorado River and then back up to the South Rim. And uh, our journey began on day one. Uh, we hiked seven miles down into the canyon and we got to our first campsite, uh, which was really nothing more than a rocky outpost with a creek uh, running nearby. So we unloaded our 30 pound backpacks uh, and uh, we cooked up a dinner of rice and beans and uh, we set up our tent and uh, then we settled in for the evening. Now I'm not exactly sure what time it was uh, in the middle of the night, but I woke up and the winds were screaming and howling and our tent was shaking uh, violently uh, like a rag doll all over the place. And what seemed like hours, I just lay there awake with my eyes wide open and I'm tense and I'm concerned. And pretty soon as the night is going on, I hear a voice. Dad, yes, Logan, is our tent going to be all right? Our tent's going to be just fine, Logan. Now, what you got to know is uh, I said those words, I spoke those words uh, as much for myself as I did for Logan. Uh, because I was scared. I, I had no idea if our tent poles that night were going to snap, if we were going to spend the rest of our night uh, with this uh, canopy right on top of our faces. And I knew uh, that we had uh, 25 miles uh, to hike across the Grand Canyon. And uh, it was one of those things where it just goes on and on and on. And all night long, our tent is shaking uh, through this howling windstorm. And the next morning, uh, the sun came up, uh, the birds uh, are singing, and uh, life is getting back to normal. We packed up our tent and uh, be continued on our hike uh, down toward the Colorado River. Now that was 12 years ago, but I remember that night like it was yesterday. The night that the winds were howling, that the world was shaking, and I'm laying there wide awake wondering, is our shelter going to provide for us tonight? You know, uh, having a good shelter makes a difference. It makes all the difference as we go through life, having a strong shelter. Now, we all, of course, know what a shelter is, uh, but just a couple weeks ago, uh, we uh, heard this phrase, shelter at home. And if I had come to you in, I don't know, February and said, we're all supposed to shelter at home, you would have been like, yeah, what, what's that even mean? But of course, in March, we all knew what shelter at home means, shelter in place. Um, and, and here we are, uh, April 26th, five weeks into our uh, quarantine order, our shelter in place. We all know what shelter at home means. 
And just a few weeks ago, uh, it, this was an, an unthinkable uh, concept an un, uh, that none of us could have imagined. Shelter at home means don't go to work, don't go to school, don't leave your house unless it's absolutely necessary, only for the essentials. Shelter at home, shelter in place. And now recently we've learned that we get to shelter in place for five more weeks here in the state of Illinois. Illinois was actually the third state uh, in our nation to declare a, a shelter in place. So uh, many of us have gotten to experience this a little bit longer than others around the country and, and around the world. And so I thought for uh, this might be an appropriate weekend uh, for us to talk a little bit more about our strategy uh, for sheltering in place uh, because we've been experiencing it some and uh, uh, we've got a little bit more to go of sheltering in place. Hey, welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. Uh, we are on a sermon series uh, called Into the Wilderness. And uh, the idea behind this sermon series is that uh, our global community has metaphorically uh, wandered into the wilderness with this uh, COVID-19 coronavirus. Uh, and, and a wilderness, by definition, is wild. It's untamed. Uh, a wilderness is a place that uh, is unpredictable. Uh, and a wilderness is, is a place that we've never been before. And our global community uh, has never been to this wilderness before, at least not for a hundred years. It's, it's very unfamiliar for all of us. And so we're spending some time looking at different stories uh, throughout the Old Testament of God's people traveling, wandering through the wilderness, both metaphorically, uh, but oftentimes literally. And if you were here last week uh, tuning in, you might recall that we looked at a, a very uh, famous wilderness story of how God used a, a, a guy by the name of Moses to lead God's people through the wilderness on this very long and windy journey uh, for 40 years to get to the promised land. Now, the interesting thing is uh, for God's people, the Israelites, is the moment they cross over the Jordan River into the promised land, um, they experience not peace and harmony and quiet and everything is good and ah, we've arrived. They experience another wilderness. But this is a very different wilderness. This is a wilderness uh, filled with chaos. It's a wilderness filled with battles because there were people living in uh, the promised land. And God said, okay, now we've got a whole new situation for you to deal with. And I don't know about you, but that I resonate with that, uh, because it seems like as I go through life and I experience uh, one wilderness, uh, pretty soon uh, or after a while, uh, I, I'm starting to get familiar, I'm getting comfortable, I'm starting to get a handle on the wilderness. And about the moment I get a handle on uh, whatever wilderness uh, experience I'm going through, I've civilized uh, the wilderness, then all of a sudden I step into another wilderness and I'm like, like, are you kidding me? Where's the peace? Where's the quiet? Where 
is the rest. And, and I don't know if you can resonate uh, with that or not, but the, the story we're going to look at today uh, is a reminder that the wilderness journey oftentimes goes from one wilderness to the next. So let's pray as, uh, as we consider the next story in the wilderness. God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, uh, that you uh, bring us through wilder the wilderness. Uh, God, you have brought your people through the wilderness uh, for generations and generations. And so, Lord, um, remind us that you are with us in this wilderness um, and that you are leading us and that you are guiding us. And uh, we need to listen to your voice as you speak to us. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable, for you are indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So if you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to 1 Samuel uh, 23. Uh, 1 Samuel is the ninth book in the Old Testament. And uh, let me set the stage for you uh, just a little bit as you're going to 1 Samuel 23 uh, in your Bibles. So God's people, the Israelites, uh, they get across the Jordan River and they move into the promised land. And as they're uh, wandering and fighting and struggling in the promised land, several generations pass. And after several generations pass, the Israelites, they come to God and they say, God, everybody around here has a king. We would really like a king too. And God says, I'm your king. I am your God. You are my people. We've got this special thing going. And the Israelites said, no, God, we want an earthly king like everybody around us. And so God relents and said, God says, okay, I'll give you a king and the first king of Israel was a guy by the name of Saul. Now, what you need to know about kings uh, in ancient times is, is one of their primary responsibilities was to lead the people in battle. And in those days, there were a lot of battles, there were a lot of fights uh, to be fighting, even in the Promised Land. And early on, uh, Saul was actually a pretty good uh, warrior king, and the Israelites won many battles against their enemies around them, uh, even uh, against their arch enemies, the Philistines. But one day, um, there was a standoff between uh, the Israelites and the Philistines uh, at this particular, particular junction. And unfortunately for the Israelites, uh, the, the Philistines had this uh, freak of nature. He was nine feet tall. Uh, he was a giant, and he went by the name of Goliath. And everybody was afraid, all the Israelites were afraid to fight against this Philistine giant uh, by the name of Goliath. Except for a little shepherd boy, a boy by the name of David. And you probably remember the, Sunday, uh, the story from Sunday school where David actually wins the battle with his slingshot and a couple stones. It was a great day. It was a great victory for the Israelites, and everybody was so happy for a moment because David then became kind of a folk hero, and people loved David, which was great, except for Saul 
wasn't so excited about this. See, what you need to know about kings, and you probably already know this, is kings want everybody to admire them. Kings don't want people admiring their generals or their foot soldiers, but that's exactly what was going on. And every time uh, Saul would want people to talk about him and his military victories, the conversation would always shift to David. And Saul started to get really jealous and angry, and he began this downward spiral of jealousy, of bitterness, of anger, and even paranoia. And so then much of the story as it continues on from there is Saul is out to kill David. He wants to get rid of David David, because he feels threatened by uh, David's popularity and how much people like David. And so you can read several stories of, of Saul chasing uh, David down, trying to kill him. Now, there's a couple uh, interesting dynamics, two interesting dynamics. Uh, and the first dynamic uh, of Saul chasing David uh, through uh, many wilderness experiences is, is, number one, is that David never fights back. See, David has incredible respect uh, for the role and the office of a king. And so it, it's like Saul is hunting an animal, uh, but this animal never fights back. And so it's, it's just this scurrying about time after time after time. And, and Saul is filled with rage and he can't wait to thrust his sword into David's heart. But David just at the last moment slips through uh, Saul's fingers and he escapes off into the woods somewhere, off into a cave or somewhere in the wilderness. The second interesting dynamic uh, between this chase of, of Saul trying to uh, capture and kill David is that Saul has a son uh, by the name of Jonathan. Now, Jonathan is an incredibly uh, loyal uh, son to his father. He loves his father. He's a good son. And he's the crown prince. He's the heir to the throne. But the interesting dynamic is that Jonathan also has a, a strong friendship with David. And so uh, De uh, uh, Jonathan is also loyal to David. So you've got Saul chasing David and oftentimes on the scene, Jonathan will show up and he's, he's kind of in between the two and he's loyal to both, but he sees that his father is, is just on this downward spiral. And many times Jonathan shows up to help David out in this uh, wilderness uh, experience after experience after experience. So there's all this running around, this racing around of Saul trying to kill David. It's this chase scene. And this is where we're actually going to pick up in 1 Samuel 23, beginning with verse 14. It says this, David stayed in the wilderness strongholds in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Now, so the desert of Ziph is about uh, 30 miles south of Jerusalem. It's, um, it's, it's rocky. It's hilly. It looks maybe like the Badlands, if you've ever been to Mount Rushmore uh, in South Dakota, or, or maybe Theodore Roosevelt in North Dakota. It's hilly. It's rocky. It's arid. Uh, it's dry. It's vast. And this is uh, the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for David, but God did not give David into his hands. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. 
And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him to find strength in God. Now, if you've got a pen, I want you to underline, helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king of Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horesh. And so Jonathan, as the crown prince, as the, the heir to the throne, he leaves the comforts of the palace and he goes out into the wilderness to see his friend, to encourage his friend, to help his friend. The language uh, that the writer of 1 Samuel says, he helped him to find strength in God. Jonathan is one of these incredible people that leaves everything that's comfortable and he goes to help someone in the wilderness. And I think as, uh, as Christ followers, as God followers, we all need a Jonathan in our life. In fact, better yet, I think we need Jonathans in our lives. People who are willing to show up in the wilderness and encourage us and to help us, to help us find strength in God. And so I want to ask you, who are uh, the, the Jonathans uh, in your life? Now, you maybe have a Jonathan uh, living under your roof with you right now as you're sheltering at home. And I, and I would just say, praise God for that. I've got some Jonathans at my house uh, as well. But the thing is, you need more than a Jonathan under your roof uh, because uh, everybody under your roof is experiencing much the same during this quarantine. It's so easy uh, to live under one roof and just kind of see uh, what's going on with the coronavirus in the world with a very limited uh, perspective. Uh, and we, we begin to think that everybody's experiencing what we're experiencing. Now, over the past four weeks, uh, I've actually been meeting with six other Jonathans uh, leveraging the technology of Zoom. And so every Wednesday evening, uh, I jump on Zoom with my uh, six other Jonathans, junior high students, and uh, we read scripture together. Uh, we talk about what we're experiencing in the midst of the coronavirus. Um, we usually play a game, have a little bit of fun. We uh, laugh, we check in, uh, and then we always pray uh, together. And, and I got to tell you, uh, I love hanging out with our junior high students. Uh, I like it better when we're live, but, but I'm willing to take it uh, even online right now because they see the world very differently than I do. They see the coronavirus very differently than I do. They are experiencing sheltering at home very differently uh, than I do. And whenever I gather together with my six other Jonathans, they remind me that God is so much bigger and so much more active uh, than, than what I'm experiencing. And I just love uh, spending time with my six Jonathans on Wednesday night.
And so I want to ask you, who are your Jonathans? Those people that are giving you perspective, those people that are encouraging you, those people that are helping you find strength in God. Now, I am aware that there are at least four other groups at uh, Faith Lutheran uh, that are gathering together uh, different times throughout the week, uh, leveraging technology uh, to be a Jonathan for one another. And they're doing some check-in, uh, they're reading a little bit of scripture, uh, and they're praying together. And uh, here's the amazing thing is every, uh, every one of these groups that are meeting, uh, that have been meeting during this uh, pandemic, this, uh, this lockdown, this quarantine, quarantine, uh, have come to me and said, you know what, <clears throat> if you've got anybody else who might be interested in joining us, uh, we got an open seat. We've got, we got a place uh, for them to come join us uh, leveraging technology. Uh, just, just let them know. Uh, and we would like to welcome them uh, to be a part of our, our group. Now, I just want to say, I, I think that's pretty uh, neat that they're uh, open to uh, welcoming new people into their community of Jonathans. And I think this is a really low-risk way uh, for you if, you haven't, if you're not part of a group um, uh, during this uh, pandemic. And, and you could just log into Zoom or whatever, and you can hit the mute button. Uh, you don't have to say a word, and you can just listen uh, to how other people are experiencing uh, this shelter-at-home experience. And so I want to encourage you, if you don't have a group uh, that you're uh, meeting with regularly right now uh, online, uh, a group of Jonathans, you can go ahead and just send me an email, uh, brian at myfaithlcmc.org, and then put in the subject line, Seeking Jonathans, and uh, we can be in contact and I can uh, help you find a group of, of people uh, to, uh, to give you encouragement and support during this uh, during this pandemic. So the second thing I want to uh, just kind of lift out of the story here is that Jonathan and David meet at this place called Horesh. Horesh. Now, archaeologists and historians and theologians don't know a lot about Horesh. But they you know, we can really surmise uh, from the story that Horesh is, is kind of an oasis. It's a sanctuary. It's a place of respite. It's a place uh, where David can be safe from the chases that are going on as, as Saul is, is running around trying to capture and kill him. Horesh is a place where David can uh, experience peace. This is where Horesh is the place where Jonathan comes to him and they're able to gather together and David is able to just breathe a little bit. And so I want to ask you, what is your Horesh? Where is that place right now that you are experiencing peace? Now, as we talk about sheltering at home, our immediate reaction is probably a physical structure, right? A building, a, a dwelling place. And I hope you're doing that. Uh, but Horesh is, is not just a, a building or a physical structure. Horesh is a place of emotional and spiritual rest, a place where you can breathe, where you can uh, find sanctuary, uh, where you can find peace. It's, it's maybe what we call our happy place. Place, right? It's just a. Uh, what's your Horesh? 
How are you experiencing Haresh right now? How are you experiencing resting in God's arms? You know, oftentimes God's word is that place of Haresh, that place that God speaks to us, his scripture. And as I think about God's word and Haresh, I think about the Psalms. And you might know that there are 150 Psalms in Scripture, and about half of them were actually written by David. And I love that David wrote so many of the Psalms uh, because uh, David was a guy who experienced uh, incredible uh, success and power and, and many wonderful things throughout his life. But David also experienced extraordinary tragedy and struggle and hardship. And so here he is early on in his life, running from Saul, being chased, hunted down like an animal. And I can see David out in the wilderness writing some of these psalms. And so I thought I would just share a couple psalms with you uh, because this, this theme of uh, sanctuary, of, of rest, of, uh, of comfort, of, of shelter comes up over and over. So in Psalm 27, David writes this, One thing I asked of the Lord that I will seek after to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. And then jumping over to Psalm 32, uh, David writes this, You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with glad cries of deliverance. David is um, praying to God. It's, it's this intimate conversation he's having with God. And, and what I love about the Psalms is over and over and over, it's this deep connection uh, between David and other writers of the Psalm and God. It's, it's this very close connection using very powerful words um, that, uh, ju that just speak uh, to my soul. Here's one from Psalm 91. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge." Isn't that great? You hear that connection of God just coming around his people and rescuing them and putting them uh, under his feathers. Maybe those words uh, sound familiar uh, to you. And uh, if they do, um, they come from a hymn that was written in 1976 uh, by a French priest, a guy by the name of Michel Jonca. And uh, these words were written into a hymn called On Eagle's Wings. 
And I got to tell you, uh, over the past several years, as I've done funerals for many people, uh, On Eagle's Wings is one of the most requested hymns because it's a hymn that uh, cries out and proclaims uh, shelter and hope and rest uh, that we have in God. And so the hymn begins like this, You who dwell in the shelter of the Lord who abide in his shadow for life. Say to the Lord, my refuge, my rock, in whom I trust. And then we all know the chorus. And he will raise you up on eagle's wings, bear you on the breath of dawn, make you to shine like the sun, and to hold you in the palm of his hand. And this hymn has been sung over and over and over. In fact, this hymn was sung at more funerals uh, right after 9-11 for the victims of 9-11 than any other hymn. Because it's a hymn that reminds us as the world shakes and quakes and blows that God continues to hold us in the palm of his hand, that he is our refuge and that he is our strength. He is our shelter. He is that place of comfort, that place where he just welcomes us and nurtures us and washes his love over us. And so I want to invite you for the next 150 days to read through the Psalms. Just read one Psalm a day, one prayer a day, and just allow that Psalm to just come over you, to remind you, to encourage you, and to strengthen you, and to just let you know that God is holding you in the palm of His hand. See, that's what it means to be sheltered, to experience Horesh. This is to just bathe ourselves in God's Word. And so today I want to close by um, reading one of David's most famous prayers, one of David's most famous songs, one of David's most famous uh, psalms. And I'm going to read it to you from the New King James Version. I think it just sounds a little bit better. Uh, I'm a little old school when it comes to this particular psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord, his shelter, his sanctuary, 
his place of refuge, his peaceful hands forever. Amen. May God bless you as you experience the shelter of the Lord.